I greet all who gather to get today at St. Anne's and those who join us by way of live stream in spiritual communion with bonds of faith, hope, and love that know no end as we celebrate the 29th Sunday in the calendar year of the church. And in a very special way to welcome the dames and knights of the Order of Malta, a 900-year-old religious order that has been dedicated for all these centuries to primarily the care of the sick and the poor as servants of God's children who are most at risk in life. And in that way to greet also the lay brothers, the professed who constitute canonically this religious order of Malta, the Fra's at the side, Fra James Michael von Strabel, Fra Tom Mulligan, Fra Richard Wolfe, and Fra Nicola Tagoni. When we think of lay brothers in the world, this is one of the orders that has so many vocations of men who wish to profess the solemn vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience and in service of the church. And so the Order of Malta is primarily a religious order established on these men. And then by way of magistral grace, knights and dames and other members serve their purpose as they have been dedicated to the sick and the poor for so many centuries. I also welcome in particular the regent of our sub-priory of Our Lady Lord, uh, Dr. Joe Metz, and also the vice regent of our sub-priory, Hugh Dempsey and Father Latier, who concelebrates with me, and Deacon Michael Stankwitz, who's the executive director of the Federal Association here for the Order of Malta. I am their chaplain, and that's why they're here today. This is kind of a hub of their spiritual life in the Washington area. So I'm honored to have our knights and dames with us today. And how appropriate that the readings, which had nothing to do with the uh, organization of this particular convocation of knights and dames actually coincide beautifully with the theme of obedience. So let's reflect on obedience. First of all, humility was never one of my greatest cards. That's not one of my virtues. When I was about seven years old, I recall not enjoying my dinner very much. And my mom said, eat everything on your plate. Do you understand? And I said, why? She said, because there's some poor people out there that don't have anything to eat tonight. And I turned to her and I said, name one. <laughs> With that, wow. <laughs> Ever since then, I've eaten everything on my plate, every meal. And some of you who are with me on occasion, if you don't finish your plate, I will take that food as well. <laughs> to learn humility through obedience. Not easy to be humble. Not easy for me, not easy for you perhaps, or maybe you've grown to become more humble in life, or maybe now you're looking back in your life and you're saying, I still don't get that one. It doesn't come as easy to me to be humble. The world looks at humility basically as weakness. It always has. Now, if you want to succeed in life, says the world, you, you get promoted. You go up the ladder. 
You make more money. You have more prestige, more position, more decorations. You live better, says the world, when you are promoted up the ladder. And if you're humble about it, people are not going to take that seriously because someone else will move into your position while you think you're being humble and taking a back seat. And most will consider that to be a weakness. You're just plain being stupid, says the world. Now, this is why the disciples are so amazed as we've been reading Mark's gospel these last Sundays at how our Lord is flipping things. He's saying, yeah, the world says it this way, but I tell you, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. The one who is greatest becomes least, and the least becomes greatest. And in fact, he goes on to say that the Son of God came not to be served like any other king, but to serve. Now, we have to go back 2,000 years ago to imagine why the disciples are so amazed at these words. Because for ancient Judaism, and for a lot of people even today, I dare say a number of Christians, that the outward signs of wealth and health and a long life and a lot of land and all those things of the world, as wonderful as they are, the more you have that, the more this is the outward sign of God's approval and blessing. Clearly, you've done something right and God is happy with you. And you call those blessings. We still do, they're wonderful. Nothing wrong with that in one sense. But if you're poor, if you're sick chronically, if you live a short life, and even for the ancient Jews to have a lot of girls in your family line that could not carry on your family name, this was considered an outward sign in some way of God's disapproval, perhaps even a curse. You had done something wrong or someone in your family, maybe your grandparents, maybe your tribe, your neighborhood, your nation. It's what's called in the Old Testament, the principle of corporate personality. The whole personality of the people gets punished because one person or one family has violated the law. And so everyone has to suffer. So outward signs in the Old Testament for the most part, and even for a lot of us today, tend to be manifestations of God's approval or disapproval, God's blessing or God's curse, black or white. So when Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, that's not the way it is necessarily, he flips all the world standards and says, no, you want power? You want promotion? Look at me. On a cross. Again, the world says that's ridiculous. That's silly. That's tragic. See, that's where humility leads you, says the world. A 33-year-old man who gets assassinated because he was humble. The world calls Jesus Christ a loser. 
Mark my words. They will never understand what Jesus is really about. He could have had everything. He was God made man. Right? What were they anticipating as a Messiah, as a king? That? Humility? His whole life was in the eyes of the world a joke. Born in Bethlehem, under the most pitiable circumstances, poor, weak, uneducated mother, foster father, he was a carpenter, poor, no education, no schooling as such. Comes on the scene at age 30, talking about repentance and performs these miraculous powers of things and had a following for a while and then falls on tough times with the Sadducees and Pharisees and the political order and ends up getting crucified. Haven't we seen that before? In every age, good people get crucified. So the world will just say, that's just another story. We've seen it before. But is that power really? Is that glory really? That's your king. Just think about it from the perspective of the disciples and most of the world today that looks at Jesus as just a prophet who got a bad deal. Well, we, he is not just a prophet. He's not just a guru. He's not just a Pied Piper. He's not a CEO, CFO of this band of a few people. He's really, truly divine, made human. This is the only religion the world has ever known that speaks of the God-man. Not the man-God, the God who becomes man in Jesus. And so when he says things like, it shall not be that way among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. So we should take that seriously. So 900 years ago, and through all these centuries, in a very particular way, the Order of Malta, these warrior monks and these noblemen of old, would care for, out of their own largesse, their own resources, their wealth as noble, the sick and the poor, establishing the first hospital in Jerusalem. And they would feed the sick and the poor off their own silver as a sign of the wealth of the poor, that they were deserving of this, made in the image and likeness of God, these noble men saw Christ, whom they should serve, because no one else did. Remember, friends, historically, there were no hospitals. The hospitals began with the Order of Malta. 900 years ago. If you were sick, if you had money, fine. If you were poor, hit the streets. You die. We take that for granted, but even in the Roman Empire, there were no hospitals. So hospitality comes from that incredibly powerful Latin word, hospice, 
which means both at one and the same time, stranger and guest, ironically. You make the hospice, the person who is stranger, a guest in your home. And who is my stranger? The neighbor, the person sitting next to me or the person down the street, whoever that may be. God has placed providentially people in our lives, not in our way, but on our way to heaven. We are given people and circumstances to get to heaven. These are means by which God is saying, look, I'm giving you opportunity here to be great. You want power? You want success? You want promotion? Then serve the least. Because they're all around you. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to wait for it. It's there in front of you every day. That's why Jesus says, the poor you shall always have with you. He's not saying that as a denigration of the poor. He's saying these are opportunities. Because I was poor. I was naked. I was hungry. I was imprisoned. I was being crucified. And were you there for me? I wonder, I don't know about you, I don't want to judge, but I think I would judge myself that I don't think I would have tended to Jesus. That's a real confession. It's very sad to say, I don't think I would have been there on Good Friday. That's sad. And he's there in so many faces of people around us every day. And these men and women, these dames and knights, have taken seriously the commitment to serve the sick and the poor, to defend the Catholic faith, to nourish it in our culture, and doing so primarily through those works of charity and prayer. And they learn that over time, that humility of lowering themselves, not because that's a weakness, but because they've learned the power that comes from service to people in need, here locally, nationally, internationally. The sovereign order of Malta is its own independent sovereignty. It can fly a flag wherever it wants. It goes to Haiti and on its own cargo ships. It can bring food and medicines to them directly. It doesn't have to go through any other channel. That's why that food and medicine gets to them directly. It's amazing. No corruption. No one's graft. It's always there. This is beautiful. It's a very sophisticated group of men and women who love service to those who are most in need. And in that power of serving others, they find their joy. They find their Christ. See, that's why our Lord has put all these people, not in our way, as I said, but on our way as means to salvation. Use them. Look for them. Find them. You don't have to look far. There's so many people in need, and we know that. And the Catholic Church, of course, is the most generous institution in the world. Catholic Charities, in particular, is the finest charities in the nation and internationally. The Order of Malta is also part of that. Charity. So we're delighted and, and we are 
inspired, encouraged by their willingness to do this. Finally, they are knights and dames in a particular class of our order in obedience. So they learn that humility from being obedient to the word of God, just as Mary was. That beautiful word, obedience, obedire, to listen up against the word, to hear it. When my mother said, eat everything on your plate, I couldn't hear what she was saying. I was so concerned about myself and my pride. But I learned humility when she slapped me. I learned humility by eating that food, which I didn't like. But I learned it, and that I came to appreciate it. And by analogy, of course, our, learned, our Lord himself learned obedience from what he suffered. So we all suffer in some ways. And for people to attend to our suffering out of compassion is a marvelous gift of charity. So the Order of Malta is, for us, a tremendous inspiration to that. To see in the sick and the poor the image and likeness of God, no other religion says that. Did you know that? Nope, not as explicit as in Christ. It's amazing. We take that for granted, but we shouldn't because we're grateful to so many who do care for the sick and the poor, the people most in need our lives. Because you know what? We're all sick and poor. Ultimately, that's why we're here. Because the Master himself will now serve us as he has always so humbly served under the most meager forms that we could imagine, bread and wine that become his body and blood. As he serves us with his body and blood, may we serve each other with our body and blood and bring about an increase of the kingdom of God for the glory of God to promote all that will benefit this church and Christ's mission through us. Because in the end, until he returns, we are all that he has.